Welcome, everybody. Let's talk real estate. Your weekly BS with Barry Saywitz about the current commercial real estate market here in Southern California. As we take a no BS look at both sides of the issues driving this market today to find the best solutions going forward. With our man right in the middle, Barry Saywitz. Hey, Barry. Hey, good morning, Paul, and good morning out there to all of our viewers and our listeners. Welcome back again. If it's Tuesday, we're talking real estate. I am Barry Saywitz, president of the Saywitz Company and managing partner of Saywitz Properties. And we're back here again to talk some more real estate. If there's one thing that I've learned in my 30 plus years of doing this, uh, it's to surround yourself with uh, uh, smart people, try and get uh, informed and make good business decisions. And uh, I'm excited about today's show because uh, we have with us a special guest, our, uh, the mayor, John Stevens, a mayor of the city of Costa Mesa, who not only practices law, uh, dabbles a bit in real estate, and uh, is certainly in tune with all of the inner workings of the city and, uh, and what goes on throughout the rest of the county. John, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. So you're including me in the smart people that you uh, surround yourself with. I hope so. I mean, that's the goal and that's the plan. And if if that's not the case, we're going to fake it. So. Flatter, you'll get you everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I appreciate you coming on the show. Um, we have had uh, mayors from other cities uh, in the past on the show. And Costa Mesa, to me, uh, not only is it a place where I used to live, but uh, own a bunch of property uh, and, and close to close to the heart. And so uh, certainly wanted to have you come in and chat about uh, all the great successes and the growth uh, within the city of Costa Mesa in the past and, and certainly what's to come. Um, you know, for you, you're a longtime resident of the city and, and, and Southern California. And so I'm sure you've seen a lot of the growth within the different uh, neighborhoods of the city. Uh, and ups and downs as the economy and real estate market go back and forth. Um, I want to rewind for a second. So what uh, the, my, my first question is, so what made you get into politics or get involved with the city government? You, you're a practicing attorney and have been uh, most of your professional career. Uh, what made you get into this side of it? Yeah, well, see, I'm, I'm a 34th year lawyer, so I've been practicing law for uh, over 33 years. I moved to Costa Mesa right after law school, and uh, we had uh, eventually four children, bought a house. I bought a house back in the day when a 27-year-old could buy a house in Mesa Verde in Costa Mesa. That's not the case anymore, but I, I took advantage of it. As I said, four kids, they're all adults now. I got involved with the kids in, in uh, I worked for a big law firm for a while in Costa Mesa, and then I left that got involved in coaching the kids sports and for 18 years met a lot of people in the community served the community that way both baseball some basketball and softball and then in um, in 2010 the city was going in in, in a, uh, a different direction now I don't know what your politics are Barry it doesn't make any difference but I'm kind of a pro-labor guy I'm a registered Democrat um, the city was going in a different direction in 2020, 2010, as you may, may remember, in 2011, that's when we had the layoffs of half of our uh, employees. Uh, there were lawsuits about it. We moved forward with uh, the city council, moved forward with what was called a charter initiative. And a group of people came to me and said, listen, you know, you're an attorney, you're a prominent person in the community. We need somebody to run uh, against the incumbents. So... I ran in 2012. I lost by 155 votes. I sat out the 2014 election, and I ran in 2016, and I won. 
And then in 2020, by that time, we had gone to districts. And the way it works in Costa Mesa is we have six voting districts and the directly elected mayor who the whole city votes for. So I, I live over by uh, Mesa Verde Country Club. And as I mentioned, my politics is not as uh, popular in my neighborhood as it is citywide. And so I got beat when I ran for council in 2020. Katrina Foley, who I know has been on your show, she then moved up to the Board of Supervisors and then yeah. vacated her position and the council brought me in to be um, the uh, the mayor at the time. That was St. Patrick's Day 2021. And then I ran for re-election and won this year. So I've got a two-year term. And, you know, that's how I got involved in it. It's just, it, it really, it's a continuation of my public service and community service that we do. Uh, my partner does a lot of community service as well. And it's just kind of how we've been built yeah. ever since I've been in my 30s. And I enjoy it, whether it's coaching or being involved in city politics and, and public service. I, I just enjoy doing it. Well, on behalf of all of the citizens of the city of Costa Mesa, thank you for your devotion and your help. And uh, I appreciate the fact that uh, you're uh, one of the leaders pushing the city forward to make it a better place. Yeah, thank so, you. Thank you. Um, and, and is there, a, a, I'll say, a mantra or a, a general goal or perspective of the city council or for yourself in terms of dealing with the city issues? I mean, I, I'm going to guess less drama is better than more, uh, mostly across the board. But uh, is it what are some of the big topics in today's world? I mean, we're coming out of covid which presented all sorts of problems for everybody across the board, and I'm sure you're no different. Um, but now trying to get back on track and then now dealing with the economic issues that are starting to unfold, what are some of the big issues that you face at the city? Well, I'll tell you some of the issues, but it, you just bring to mind a great quote that I learned from Jim Righeimer, who I served with for a couple of years on council. Oh, yeah? He said, the key to this job is to uh, satisfy the agitated without agitating the satisfied. And so um, I, I kind of live by that. Right now, people, people, as the election proved, people are fairly well satisfied. This last election was kind of historic because it's only the second time in the history of Costa Mesa that the city council didn't change after an election. It's the same city council before, same city council after. That hasn't happened for 40 years. The last time was in 1982. So what that tells me is, is that the, the voters uh, are, are pretty um, uh, satisfied with the work that we're doing. So getting to your point, what's the work? What are, what are we prioritizing? We've prioritized addressing homelessness in Costa Mesa. We've been working on that yeah. for a number of years, and we could talk about the specifics. Housing is a big thing. We need to develop affordable housing, more housing units, both market rate and affordable. And the other thing that people always focus on is safety, just, yes. you know, just pure safety. We've addressed that in a lot of ways. Kind of the obvious thing is, uh, you know, your police and fire department. What have we done to address that and support those departments and enhance those and grow those departments? But also a major focus of the council right now is street safety. If you go to, and we do, of course, canvas during an election, and we just got done with an election, if you knock on people's door and you say, how are you doing? They, most of the times they say, well, we're doing okay. You know, Maybe they just want to get rid of you. Right. If they say something, if they give you feedback, the most common thing they say is, people are speeding on my street. 
can you slow the cars down? That's what people really care about. You know, it's not Republican, Democrat or whatever. They want their kids to be safe in their front yard. And so that is that is a, a major focus of this council. And, you know, it's it's reflected in the budget and the projects we're working on. And, and I've noticed it in Costa Mesa. I mean, I just was yesterday over on Bristol and uh, you guys have added the uh, sort of green, lime green bike lanes and yes. reflectors so that, uh, you know, bikes have an actual place to go and not get uh, in the flow of traffic. Um, and then I've noticed in other areas we're uh, adding or expanding sidewalks and then at the same time uh, doing some beautification projects with adding plants and, and, and trim to uh, make it aesthetically more pleasing in addition to just the practical side of it. So uh, there's no question that the better the city looks and the more practical it is, uh, it's a win-win. And it, the, beauty, the beautiful part of it too, Barry, is this district election f- it allows these council members to really focus on their neighborhood. So if there's an issue, like we've got a, a council member who's in District 2, that's kind of the north part of the city, Lauren Gamaros, and he's really focused on getting some type of a traffic stoplight on, I'm getting very granular here, on, on Belfast as you're going up Harbor, because that's a really dangerous place yeah. to go. And so he he is like a dog with a bone. I mean, he's going to get that eventually. Arliss Reynolds, who's on the uh, west side, she's, uh, you say some properties over on the west side, she's District 5. She's a believer in this thing called Complete Streets, and she's very involved in a group called Costa Mesa Alliance for Better Streets. And she's brought, um, we've brought speakers to the city to talk about this concept. Uh, Andrea Marr, as well, is really focused on this and has sensitized us to when we're doing uh, capital improvements, we really need to focus on pedestrians, bikes, making things safer. The focus for for decades on capital improvements as it relates to streets has been, how can we move cars more quickly and efficiently through the city? The focus has changed now. It's, it's, it's how can we have active transportation, get people out of cars and safely be on bikes and have safe pedestrian uh, programs and also slow cars down. Yeah, Slow cars down with what you'll be seeing, if you haven't seen it already, is like bulb outs, n- narrowing lanes. You mentioned uh, protected bike lanes. We have many medians that we've put in. Over on Bristol, we had a lot of problems. You notice over by the camp and the lab, there's yeah, exactly. there, there's medians now. So we have a great department, our public works department, that works on that. And they work in conjunction with the PD and the city council. And kind of safe streets, complete streets, walkable, bikeable streets, that's a major focus of the council right now. And and that, I guess, sort of goes hand, hand in hand with the whole safety aspect of it, right? Which is a concern because... You know, to me, safety is number one for for most people. And if it's not number one, it's certainly in the top few. And then secondly, as it relates back to real estate, if we're going to tie it in, if you have uh, a neighborhood or a city or an area that is safe, it will impact the value of the properties and the desirability going forward. And I, I think Costa Mesa has done a great job of that over the years and has benefited on, on the real estate side, not just with running the market up, but creating a better environment for its residents. Yeah, it's well, and it's safety, and it's also um, there's safety and aesthetics that go along with it. So I'm very proud that those are 34 uh, cities in Orange County. The 34 
we are number three in in uh, pavement condition index. So when you drive on a street in Costa Mesa, you're most likely going to be driving on a smooth street, okay, which also improves safety and it also improves the aesthetic. You know, you you go to a city. Oh God, I was driving around in Los Angeles. I, can't I was just going to say street. Los Angeles, oh. different story. Oh my good! Oh my goodness! Terrible. I was my my daughter lives right off of uh, Venice Boulevard, and we were going down. I, th- I want to say it was Sepulveda, and there were massive potholes. Yeah, and 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 at one point the pothole was so big that I had to swerve to avoid it. I was worried that it was going to hurt my car. But by contrast, Costa Mesa really focuses on that. And we were number three last year. We're, we barely got edged out by Orange. Uh, of course, Irvine's number one, right? And that's okay, but we really focus on that and we pay attention to that. And like when I do my state of a city, I report on that to the community. How are we doing on pavement on pavement condition index? And it affects, like you say, it affects real estate values. You know, you go down, you see a nice street, you see a safe street, you can move around the city in a way that you feel comfortable. You can trust your kids to drive right around, and it increases property values. It's a place where people want to live. Yeah, and, and and on that same note, so let's talk about housing for a second because you brought it up and it certainly was one of the things I wanted to ask you about. Uh, the two sides to the housing. Housing and non-housing or homelessness, right? And and to me, the two go hand in hand uh, in many ways. Uh, if we take the housing piece for a second, Costa Mesa is a very desirable place for people to live, very low vacancy, uh, really high run-up in property values as all over, but Costa Mesa really, I think, benefited uh, probably more than the average city. And so what do you, from the city council's perspective, to try and create either more affordable housing or at the same time deal with the homelessness issue, which is just prevalent everywhere? Well, they're, they're all part of the same discussion. Okay, so I, um, I read a book. It was called uh, – they didn't bury the lead in terms of their conclusion. The name of the book is literally Homelessness is a Housing Problem. And what they did is they looked and say, what's the cause of homelessness? And they talked about individual causes. Why would one particular person be homeless? And they, of course, they did the litany, you know, mental illness, uh, drug addiction, uh, losing a job, having some run of bad luck, you know, maybe, yeah. maybe whatever happens. And, and that could cause one individual person to fall into homelessness or remain in homelessness. But what it doesn't explain is why is it that there's so much more homelessness in Los Angeles as opposed to Chicago? And it's because if you go to Chicago, Chicago embraces the development of, of housing units. They, if, if you go on the tour, they're talking about the great developments that they have. Yeah. In Southern California, by contrast, and maybe in California, there's been a resistance to it, the NIMBYs and so forth, and I don't want these, these, this development. And over many, many years, that has contributed, and according to this book, has been the primary reason why there's more homelessness in L.A. as opposed to a place called Chicago. And it was very scientific the way they did it. My daughter lives in Chicago. She lives two, she lives, uh, two blocks from Wrigley Field in, with four other girls in this beautiful, huge three-bedroom flat. She pays uh, $665 a month. It's a deal. Very affordable. Yeah. My other daughter, by contrast, just moved into a place right off of Venice. It's a two-bedroom, and she spends $2,500. Right. Well, so there, you know, therein lies 
part of the issue. Uh, and then I guess the question is, you know, what do you do? There's there's pressure from the state and from Sacramento to uh, all of the cities to create either more affordable housing or or uh, shelters or mental uh, health uh, centers to be able to to treat folks that have issues to try and keep them off the street. What is the city doing in particular? If there are any special projects. Uh, or just as a, a general mo to try and uh, you know combat that it's not there, there's no to me there's no simple fix no there isn't i mean it's multifaceted and uh you know all of those things that i just mentioned contribute to homelessness and they all have to be addressed in 2019 in 2018 i think it was 2018 we got sued in the river trail lawsuit remember that was before judge carter it was the city city of costa mesa anaheim orange and the county of orange we spent a lot of time in his courtroom in federal court and we entered into a settlement agreement that was the impetus for us to create our homeless shelter uh, we had a temporary shelter for about a year or so and now we have a permanent shelter it's a 70 bed shelter over by the airport that we we collaborate with Newport Beach. It's been a great success. Since we opened in April of 2019, we've housed, housed, that's taken off our streets into permanent housing, about 265 people. And then we have a 70 bed shelter, as I said. So, so we have, and it's at capacity. So we've taken those folks, everybody's working on their housing plan. Uh, in that shelter, but we see an, an, an increased need. So there's ca- there's capacity to increase that shelter and then increase the uh, services that are surrounding it. We've got Mercy House in there that runs it with the, we have a kind of an interesting system where it's a high, it's called a hybrid, where we have city employees, uh, code enforcement, uh, uh, PD, uh, and social workers who are there at the shelter, that's where they work, and they work right alongside Mercy House, which is our vendor. Mm-hmm. And they work very collaboratively. Oh man, on, on homelessness, we have a thing called the Network for Homeless Solutions. This started in 2013, and it's a just a vast network of nonprofits, faith-based organizations that address homelessness and work with Mercy House and work with the city to address the issue. So, we had great success, but as I said, it's a housing problem. So and it's ongoing. I mean, yeah, it's, it's just you, you can't take your finger off it. It's called a permanent, permanent shelter for a reason. It's like in probably in our lifetime, we're not going to be able to solve this issue. But like with almost every other issue that we encounter, Barry, whether it's as I said, speeding on the streets, or whether it's crime, or whether it's homelessness, the objective. And the expectation is not to eliminate the problem, but to reduce it and make incremental improvements right. on the issue. So we have some exciting projects coming up. We've got a, a motel conversion through a thing called Project Home Key, where we got a lot of federal, county, and state funding and private funding to develop that. And that's going to be 80 unit, 88 units for veterans and seniors. Yeah, We're working with Jamboree Housing on a, uh, uh, a proposal to develop 60 affordable units for seniors right next to the senior center. Uh, we just opened, if you heard of Families Forward, they're, yes, a, they're, a, familiar with them. Yeah, they're a nonprofit in, in Orange County and they just put their second project, it's called the Bungalows, 36 people 
eight units, but 36 people, because they're families, right. are going to live there. And that's right uh, on uh, Pomona, on the west side of Costa Mesa. And we have stuff over there. Yeah, it's beautiful. Sure. So so um, projects are happening. And then we're going to be working on, um, because of Measure K and because of RENA and, and our housing element that we got certified, we're going to be looking into a uh, inclusionary housing ordinance and try to encourage more um, affordable housing being built. And honestly, Barry, I'm not all that familiar with the ups and downs of inclusionary housing ordinances, but that's going to be brought forward for us to study uh, in the near future. And it seems like some of these new developments for some of these bigger apartment complexes that are going up, um, that some portion or percentage of those units are available to either low or moderate income housing. I mean, that, that's how it used to be back in the day. We had several properties that had a certain number of units that were allocated towards that to try and make sure that there was adequate housing for folks that were in low to moderate income you know, uh, groups. And, right. and, and, and I think that will help on a going forward basis to at least create some opportunities. I mean, they're in high demand for sure. So they, they, they go quick, but, uh, well, sure. I mean, and, and we're, so a couple of examples of when we've done, where we've done that already without an ordinance, remember the Costa Mesa motor in uh, right by the golf course on Harbor. Yeah. Okay. And that was a real, uh, uh, target and magnet for calls for service and all kinds of mischief that was going right, on in right. there. So they have redeveloped that. And if you drive by now, you see, it's just about ready to open a beautiful 200 uh, unit, mostly market rate uh, apartment complex. But in settling the lawsuit that that happened as a result of closing the Costa Mesa Motor Inn, the developer said they're going to have out of the 200 units, nine affordable units. And then if you move further down, uh, or up rather, uh, Harbor Boulevard, you have the uh, development, uh, One Metro West, right. you know, which is uh, Rose Equities. I don't know if you wrote, okay. know Rose Equities. And that's over, right, Sunflower, to the end of Sunflower, where the Robinson Pharma building is now, right on the other side of SoCo. And in our development agreement, we negotiated uh, 10%. Yeah. And they've got, um, I think, 1,100 units. So... So that's 100, 100, 100 units. units. Right. So, you know, we're just going to keep plugging away and trying to uh, have the, the city more affordable. And as, as whether it's market rate or affordable units, as we have more units built in Costa Mesa as a result of Measure K, which we could talk about, the thought is that that's going to in, increase inventory and there, therefore over time reduce the cost of rent. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Measure K for a second, because in a general sense, look, you have housing prices that have gone up dramatically. It really puts a strain on then the rental market, which is very tight. Rents have gone up dramatically. So for the renter or the first time home buyer, it really is uh, a struggle for them in, in, in today's environment to do anything other than to continue on with whatever it is that they have. Uh, and, and so as you go forward with uh, new development and overlays. Um, explain to our average viewer and listener out there who's not familiar with uh, Measure K, w what it does, what it means, and then how it impacts in reality. Sure. Yeah. Well, we'll see how it impacts in reality as it, as it plays out. But I can tell you in theory what we tried to do. So in 2016, a measure was passed called Measure Y. Measure Y basically said any 
you know, without putting too fine a point on it, but any substantial real estate development required a vote of the people. So not surprisingly, there were no substantial real estate uh, developments because, as you know, as a developer, you can't put the, your, your fate in uh, the general public. You're not going to do it. You're not going to get site control and do your designs and do your CEQA and everything like that and then go to a vote. It's just not going to happen. You're just going to move to the next city. Right. I mean, why would you do that in Costa Mesa? You just the same thing in Fountain Valley. So that was a problem because we're trying to address this housing issue, but we're basically hamstrung by this uh, the, this this thing. And the voters voted for it, and you got to respect that. They it, it was as I said, I I won in 2016, so it was a very very smart uh, voter uh, elect, pool, right? electorate. <laughs> but anyway, but they voted, and so we needed to address it. So we we put together a an ad hoc committee that brought. Uh, measure K to the city council, and we put it on the ballot. And basically, what and what it does, and and, and I, I get to it. It passed by twenty two votes, which is a story. And I can't leave here without telling you the story. So basically, what it does is it says Measure K, which required a, a vote of the people on development projects, it doesn't apply to certain areas of the city, and primarily it's our commercial corridors. So it's above the four hundred five freeway, which would be part of one Metro West. Is, is there right on both sides so you've got the west side and the east side which is very well developed with multifamily and office and stuff like that so harbor boulevard newport boulevard which is a very blighted area which mm-hmm. needs a lot of work bristol right okay the trinity broadcasting network parts of baker all of those just go, revert back to the way it used to be where you bring a project through, it has to go through the staff, the planning commission, the city council. As it it's be. it's still an arduous process, right. but at the end of it, you don't have a vote. vote. Okay, so we're hoping that that stimulates some growth. But it passed, as I said, by twenty-two votes. There was a lot oh. of push, a lot of pushback to it. Have you ever heard of ballot curing? Yeah, yeah. So we did ballot curing. We the when I say we, I'm including the advocates of Measure K, and we went around individually to people who had who had screwed up their mail-in ballot by not signing their name or 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 not signing you know in the right way that they signed at, the, at their driver's license, and we went around and got oh god I don't know Thick, got them f- let's say a couple hundred votes I mean I don't know the exact number but that's that was the difference, that was the difference. and then you would say a win's a win a, win, a win's yeah. a win I mean 22 it's 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 now lots and and so what it allows us to do too is get a certified housing element uh, it allows us to move forward and then we'll see what happens like I said in what's going to happen under measure K is there's a first there's a process called a visioning process where we go to the the community, and by that I mean the the, the residents, the businesses, the de- potential developers, and we say, what do we want the city to look like? And then we get some vision of that, and that informs our zoning, and that inf- and then informs the hopefully the developer community to say, these are the projects that that we think would be popular, and would be well received in Costa Mesa. Uh, for me personally. I'm thinking like more mixed use, uh, walkable kind of areas where there's there's more units, but also kind of a a, a, a place to yeah. it. Well, and it's got to go up because you just don't have the land to yeah. go sideways anyway. 
Yeah. Let's let's. I want to touch on one other thing real quick because we're running out of time. I told you to go quick. Uh, we could go all day. You've got all kinds of good stories. But, yes. Um, on the commercial side, you, you mentioned it uh, briefly. W- what is the city's posture or yours in particular relative to business growth within the city? And, and is the city a pro-business uh, city where it would welcome and, and want to make sure that the businesses that are uh, located within the city are, are thriving and creating job opportunities for its residents? Yeah, I mean, the city of Costa Mesa is on fire, of course, in terms of uh, of of businesses. We've got, um, like, the hottest restaurants in Costa Mesa, restaurants with Michelin stars. We've got probably the nicest shopping center in all of Southern California. We've got hotels. There's going to be more beautiful hotels that are on the horizon. Uh, there's the Avenue of the Arts is going to be redeveloped. We've got ACMA that just came in, the Orange County Museum of Art. Uh, Sagerstrom has plans that they're considering. I probably can't tell you about them, but to really enhance like the Sears property and, right. the, and the area across the way. A lot of exciting things are happening in the city of Costa Mesa in business. We have, and then we have businesses that have come into the city, uh, such as Anderl, uh, that went into the what's the press building. Right. They're going to have up to 2,500 employees. The average uh, employee is going to make 140,000 a year. So high-paying employees that can that can really drive our economy. Then the other thing that we're doing is Measure Q, which also passed in 2020, is our can- retail cannabis. So we're having a lot of applications for retail cannabis. That's going to take those old shopping centers and really drive a lot of very um, well-capitalized improvements into those shopping centers. And we're expecting to get a good amount of revenue. The places are that have applied and gone to the planning commission so far have been just outstanding hmm. in terms of their plan. But here's the thing is a percentage, one half of 1% of our 7% tax, so one fourteenth of the sales, is going to go to a first-time home buyers program. Interesting. Yeah. So we're trying to leverage whatever we can to to in, enhance business, which enhances our revenue, which enhances our safety and makes it a better place to live. Yeah. I mean, I like it. Uh, I mean, in summary, there is a game plan. Many aspects of the economy and how the city operates and the issues are intertwined with each other. And I'm glad you're at the helm and, and taking an active role and trying to push it ahead. Yeah. I mean, it's the it's you know it's kind of it's the private sector stupid you know what i mean it's like what we have to do what we have to do as a city is focus on like safety the basic stuff and as much as we can serve the private sector and get out of their way yes let them we're the city of the arts let them have beautiful artistic places get them through their entitlement processes as quickly and efficiency as efficiently as possible without sacrificing safety but be really receptive to the needs of the private sector i like it you summed it up we're out of time i could go uh, i got a whole list of questions i have to uh, have you come back and uh, share with us some other thoughts as we get later in the year and we'll see how the economy develops but i appreciate your thoughts and your input wish you and your family and the city of costa mesa continued success in the coming year and thanks for coming on the show Thanks, Barry. It was a great, good time. Yeah, Thanks so, for the opportunity. So I'm Barry Saywitz, president of the Saywitz Company, and uh, we'll see you next week here 
on Let's Talk Real Estate. I want to say a shout out and a thank you to all the folks here at OC Talk Radio and our producer, Sophia, and uh, all the good folks who make the show happen on a weekly basis. We'll see you back here next week and we'll talk some more real estate. Thanks for tuning in. have it you've been listening to let's talk real estate your weekly bs with barry saywitz about the current state of the real commercial real estate market right here in southern california on orange county's only community radio station oc talk radio streaming live from our studio here at the university of california irvine's beale applied innovation center